In this week's market update, the Fed pulls the plug on another bear market rally. A two-year recession looms in Britain, but China starts to see light at the end of the COVID tunnel. Well, they say that insanity is doing the same thing all over again and expecting a different outcome. Well, that looks like a pretty good description of the market's wishful thinking in October, which increasingly feels like a crazy rerun of the bear market rally in June and July. Back then, investors latched on to scraps of hope that the Federal Reserve would rein in its monetary tightening programme. Shares rose sharply on the over-optimistic belief that interest rates would peak lower than feared and come back to earth more quickly. Jay Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve, poured cold water on those hopes at the Jackson Hole Central Bank Summit at the end of August, and shares quickly gave back their gains. But within a few weeks, investors were pinning their hopes on the same policy outcome. In the face of recession, they allowed themselves to think in October that the Fed would be forced to take its foot off the monetary brakes sooner and lower. Once again, Mr Powell has quickly put them right. Last week's meeting of the Fed's rate-setting Open Markets Committee, and in particular the press conference that followed it, made it clear once again that the central bank remains determined to push rates above 5% and to keep them there as long as needed to get inflation back to target. The link between higher for longer interest rates and stock market valuation is pretty predictable. At the market peak last year, when we were still in a lower for longer mindset, leading US shares traded on around 24 times expected earnings. Now that multiple is around 16, but even that might not be low enough in light of rising rate expectations. Maybe 13 or 14 looks more realistic. How far rates go naturally depends on what happens to the US inflation rate. So this week's CPI reading on Thursday will be watched closely for hints. At just over 8%, US inflation is lower than here in the UK, but still well above target. So what matters is how quickly higher rates will have the desired effect and slow activity and so prices. Monetary policy always acts with what economists call a variable lag. In other words, it takes time for the impact to be felt and it's hard to predict what that time will be. This, of course, makes the job of a central bank very difficult and raises the possibility of a policy mistake, keeping the squeeze on for too long and causing an unnecessarily deep recession. That's what the bond market is starting to predict in the form of the so-called inverted yield curve. This is where short-term yields are higher than longer-term ones. It tells us that investors believe central banks are squeezing too hard today and so likely to deliver lower growth and lower inflation tomorrow. The final part of the market equation that remains firmly under the spotlight is the earnings outlook, because even if the valuation multiple falls to what looks like a reasonable level, if earnings are still declining, then so too will the market. The good news on this front is that earnings have largely held up during the results season to date. The bad news is that leading forecasters like Goldman Sachs are starting to really pare back their forecasts for next year. Goldman has cut its 2023 estimate to zero growth from 3% on the back of what it called disappointing third quarter figures for the biggest US companies. They also expect GDP growth to slow from 1.9% this year to 1% in 2023, and they put a one in three chance on a recession next year. 
In that scenario, they think earnings could fall by as much as 11%. So the market is certainly not out of the woods yet. None of this is top of the news agenda this week because there are plenty of other distractions from the brutal arithmetic of the ongoing bear market. The things grabbing our attention are certain to have longer term market implications, but in the short term, they're probably less relevant. Vying for top spot on the news agenda this week are the COP27 climate summit in Egypt and the midterm elections in America. Meanwhile, here at home, attention is starting to be focused on next week's delayed budget. All three will in due course have an impact on investment portfolios, but maybe not so much just yet. Of the three, the budget is perhaps the most uh, immediate concern for investors. That's because Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt, PM and Chancellor respectively, have their work cut out to put the UK public finances back on an even keel. The pressure on the government was cranked up last week by the Bank of England, which raised interest rates by the most in 30 years and predicted a two-year recession, the longest downturn in recent memory. Current estimates put the size of the hole the government needs to fill at £60 billion, with around half of the shortfall expected to be recouped with spending cuts and half by tax rises. The exact balance will be a political rather than an economic decision, but with spending having already been cut heavily over the past 12 years since the election of the current Conservative government in the wake of the financial crisis, taxes are expected to bear a larger part of the burden than they did during the 2010 austerity period. For investors, the areas of concern are pensions, dividends and capital gains tax. All three could see hits although this is nothing new. In the run-up to every recent budget, these have been flagged up as possible targets. Perhaps this time, the government will feel it has no choice. As for COP27, there's been considerably less talk about environmental policy than was the case even a year ago at the COP26 meeting in Glasgow. This is a reflection of changed priorities in the 12 months since that meeting, with the war in Ukraine, the associated energy crisis and soaring inflation hogging the attention of investors, businesses, households and politicians alike. We will, however, hear a lot this week about the ticking time bomb of global heating. And for investors who are able to lift their gaze above the immediate economic crisis, there's no doubt that the environment remains the most pressing of the three ESG concerns. The third big story this week is the US midterm elections. All the seats in the lower house of representatives are up for grabs, with the Democrats' narrow majority here expected to evaporate in the face of rising living costs, looming recession and an unpopular president. This is what usually happens two years into the presidential term, and there seems no reason to expect a different outcome this time. Even despite the negative sentiment surrounding the Capitol riots of January 2021 and changes to abortion laws that have been massively divisive, even in an already massively divided country. Just 35 of the 100 Senate seats are up for a re-election this year, but that is also expected to be enough for control of the upper house to shift back to the Republicans. The Democrats can only swing votes in that chamber thanks to the casting vote of the vice president because the seats are currently split 50-50. So the likely outcome of this week's election is almost certainly going to be a stranded, lame duck president unable to secure the support of Congress. 
That could mean gridlock with few important policy decisions able to be pushed through the legislative process. Now that's not necessarily bad news for investors. Sometimes it's good news that the politicians' hands are tied. They can't do anything silly and markets often welcome that inactivity. Historically, the third year of the presidential cycle is always the best for investors and is only partly due to the start of pre-election pork barrel spending by politicians eager to seek re-election. The final point to make about this year's midterms is that the stakes are unusually high because the result this week could set the scene for a renewed bid for the White House in 2024 by Donald Trump. It could also persuade the nearly 80-year-old Joe Biden that he's not up for another four years in office. Things could look very different by the end of the week. And finally, and at long last, some good news from China, where investors are latching onto hopes that Beijing might start to ease its strict zero COVID stance. Chinese shares rose sharply on hopes that the economy would start to open up, despite the government insisting that its headline measures would remain in place. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.